Welcome to the St. Louis Young Adults Bible Study Fellowship Podcast. Today, our substitute teaching leader, Jacob Wearson, will be discussing the faithfulness of God as demonstrated in Genesis chapters 8 and 9. St. Louis Young Adults Bible Study Fellowship, or BSF, is currently meeting virtually on Zoom every Monday from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Central Time. For more information and to connect with our class, visit bsfinternational.org slash class slash 793. That's bsfinternational.org slash class slash 793. Now let's prepare our hearts, open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 8, and join Jacob as he shares truths from God's Word. Hello, BSF family. Uh, Great to have you along today as we are in Genesis chapter 8, verses 1 through um, chapter 9, verse 17. So we're starting with the beginning of Genesis 8, and we're going through the midway point of chapter 9. So glad to have you along today. It is a blessing and a privilege to be sharing God's Word with you today. Uh, And as we get started, as we um, dive into God's Word today, um, quick refresher. So last week we learned about God's judgment. We learned about His righteous wrath and His holiness. Uh, He wipes away all living things from the earth um, because of increased wickedness and sin. Um, so we understand that part of God's nature, but I, what I find fascinating as we read through the chapters of Genesis, we are continually reminded of the complex nature of our perfect God. Yes, God is perfect, God is holy, and God has righteous wrath and judgment. However, God is also loving, God is also merciful, God is also faithful to an unfaithful people. And this week, we are going to reminded, be reminded of the latter, that God is faithful, that God remembers his promises. And that even in the midst of willful rebellion and sin, that God desires to be in relationship with his people. So a few questions to get us started here. Where in your life do you need to be reminded of the faithfulness of our great God? That's going to be the overarching theme, overarching theme of these uh, verses and chapters. Where do you need to be reminded of God's faithfulness? Where do you need to be encouraged that no matter what is happening in our world, God never changes? And he is as trustworthy as he was in these chapters of Genesis. Here's a big idea that I want us to take away from today's lecture. Being reminded of God's absolute faithfulness causes us to trust him with our lives on this earth and with our eternal destiny. Let me say that again. Being reminded of God's absolute faithfulness causes us to trust him with our lives on this earth and with our eternal destiny. Let me pray for us. Then we will dive in to Genesis chapter eight. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are with us as we open these pages of scripture. God, you know what's happening in our lives. You know what's happening in our world. No, there's no better time to remember your faithfulness, that you make promises and you keep promises. You do just what you say. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak would not be my own, but rather they would be yours through your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would bless all those who are hearing this message, that we would be encouraged and that we would be reminded of the great God that we serve. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right. So today's lecture, by the way, I've got my lecture on the right-hand side. Uh, so if I look, I look to my right, that's why, is I'm following the outline of my lecture. But today, here's how I organized um, our lecture. So there's two divisions. The first division, God remembers, Genesis 8, 1 through 20. The second division is God reminds. That's going to be Genesis 8, 21 through 9, 17. So the big idea that I want us to take away again, being reminded of God's absolute faithfulness causes us to trust him with our lives on this earth and with our eternal 
with our eternal destiny, and we will unpack that big idea through these two divisions. So this first division, God remembers Genesis 8, verses 1 through 20. So I gave a quick refresher in our introduction. Um, what's happening before Genesis chapter 8, verse 1? Um, well, again, we know that though God desired to be, and created humanity to be in relationship with him, um, humanity willfully disobeys and openly rebels against its creator, God. And in the days of Noah, wickedness and sin are increasing, and God's heart was grieved by this. Uh, so in these passages of scripture, we see God floods the earth. He wipes away all living things as sort of kind of like a reset with human history and in this world. Um, God says, we've got to do this over, except God does not wipe away all human history um, or all of humanity. God preserves Noah and his family. He makes a promise to Noah and his family that he will keep them safe in the flood. Why? Because um, God found Noah righteous in his sight. So that's where we are before Genesis chapter 8. Now let's dive in to our lesson this week, and we are in verse 1 of chapter 8. And verse 1 um, right away says, But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Interesting phrase there, right? And But God remembered. I remember hearing this as a child and thinking, so does that mean that God forgets? Uh, does that mean that God is like human beings where he needs to remember things just like me? Um, that obviously is not what the author is saying. We know that God is perfect. We know that God is omniscient. He knows everything. So there is no possible way that God can forget. We are reminded in Isaiah chapter 49, this is God speaking to the uh, people of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. This is Isaiah 49 verses 15 through 16 that say, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. That is God speaking. That is amazing, right? God has engraved all of us on the palms of his hands. God has engraved Noah and his family on the palms of his hands. We know that God doesn't forget. God doesn't forget us. God does not forget Noah and his family. So perhaps the author is simply highlighting that God remembers, well, God remembers his promises because he keeps his promises. It's just a way to highlight that God keeps his promises to his people. As I was preparing um, for today's lecture, um, I was listening to um, a sample lecture that BSF provides for us that kind of gives us a, an outline of how to prepare for our lecture. And as I was listening to that, um, the, the speaker was sharing that perhaps the author was highlighting the fact that God... Um, oftentimes feels quiet or silent in our lives. Um, that oftentimes we feel as if God is distant. Sometimes we feel that in our emotions. We don't feel God is working in our lives. We know, though, that God is always working. God never forgets. God always remembers his people. So by this phrase, God, but God remembered, no matter what Noah and his family were feeling at this time, no matter if um, Noah and his family were feeling fearful or they were questioning whether when is this going to end, right? They had been on the ark for 150 days. Regardless, God says, I remember. I remember my promises. I keep my promises. It's an interesting way that I think uh, perhaps this author was highlighting. But we see continually through verses two through five, the waters start to recede, right? Uh, at the end of the 150 days, the water begins to go down. And we remember that, so Noah and his family were on the ark for 150 days, but um, the rain was pouring for 40 days, 40 nights. In total, Noah and his family were on the ark for 150 days. 
Um, and verses two through five continue to illustrate God made a promise. God is keeping that promise. God is always working. Let's check in though with, let's check in with Noah and his family. How are they holding up? How is Noah doing at this point? So again, we know God made a promise to Noah and his family um, that he would protect them from the flood. God did not tell Noah how long he would be on this ark. 150 days is a long time. Um, think about being on the ark with all those animals, with all those family members. Uh, things can get a little testy, I would think. Um, so you have to wonder, I mean, that is a long time to be with, to be not on land, you know, to be on this ark, to be, um, on the water. Uh, and, to understand too, if, if we put ourselves in in the shoes of Noah and his family, they were going to embark. You know, after the earth would be dried, they were embarking on a completely new world, um, a world that would be completely different than the one they knew before. All their fr- uh, friends would be gone. Um, the life, the culture that they once knew, w- was all wiped away. I love the way our BSF notes phrase it. Um, they describe it as the new normal for Noah and his family. Where have we heard that before? How about 2020 living in a global pandemic, right? Um, you can just imagine, you can kind of feel, we, we have been in quarantine, we have been socially distanced, our world has changed over the last seven months, and frankly, it tests our patience, right? It tests our resolve. We may begin to get discouraged, we might lose heart. Um, because we even know that the world after this pandemic, after the seven months, is going to be very different than the one before March of 2020. Um, but the Bible does not record any type of complaining, any type of disbelief, at least from Noah. We don't see that. Instead, we see Noah continues to trust God. Well, we don't know what's going on in his emotions. We don't know what's going on in his heart. But regardless of that, regardless of his circumstances, Noah is choosing to trust in the God who made those promises to him and his family. So Noah continues to trust God. Um, In verses 6 through 12, uh, he has seen if the waters have receded um, through a raven and a dove. Uh, Noah is not rushing things. He's not trying to get off the ark anytime soon. Um, He's just He's literally testing the waters. He's he's testing to see if there's land. Uh, in verses 11 and 12, after several tries before, um, he's sending out this dove. But after several times, the dove finally comes back with an olive leaf. And the next time Noah sends out this dove, the dove does not return back. And in verses 13 through 14, at last we are seeing the light at the end of this tunnel. We are seeing the end of this a grand calamity of this global flood. And after verse 14, we see that God is commanding Noah and his family to come out of the ark. And as he commands Noah and his family to come out of the ark, um, he commands the family to once again populate the earth and steward the earth. And I think it's very interesting because this is a callback to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, right? Um, God had, a, had a originally plan for humanity that uh, all creation was to populate the earth and to steward the earth um, and and to steward his creation. And we see a callback again to, to Genesis chapter one. We'll see this again in chapter nine, but God is again commanding. Think about that. I'm thinking about this as a reset. God is resetting human history. God is resetting humanity. And he's once again commanding human beings to populate the earth to steward the earth. I want you to keep that in mind. Keep that idea that this is a reset for the world, a reset for humanity um, as we dive into our first principle. But I just think it's very interesting to note 
we see a callback to Genesis chapter 1 here. Um, but before we conclude, before we get to our first principle, a few verses here as we, we conclude. In verses 18 and 19, we are seeing um, Noah is obeying God's command. They are coming out of the ark. Uh, and in verse 20, we see this beautiful act of gratitude and worship as Noah sets up a sacrifice. Uh, and why did Noah set up this sacrifice? Um, I think it's a it's just a beautiful picture of worship. It's a beautiful picture of gratitude. God is setting up this ark and he's worshiping God. Can you imagine what he could have possibly felt like getting out of that ark, stepping foot on the ground for the first time in 150 days? He's worshiping God. He's thanking God. He's saying, thank you, God, that you keep your promises, that you did not forget me and my family. We also know that every Old Testament sacrifice is a nod to the future perfect sacrifice in Jesus Christ. We'll learn later um, in the Old Testament, um, not in this study, but um, if you kept on reading through Exodus, you would you would understand that uh, Old Testament sacrifices, they are a picture of the perfect sacrifice, the one sacrifice that would satisfy God and his wrath. And that was through Jesus Christ's death and ultimately his resurrection that defeated sin and death. Um, sin um, requires the shedding of blood. And we see that every time an animal is sacrificed, it would cover the sins of the people. But we know that Jesus, in Jesus Christ's perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God, that his sin not only covered humanity, or excuse me, that his blood did not cover, not, did not just cover humanity's sin, it took it away. It took, it takes, he takes our sins away. He forgives us completely. So every Old Testament sacrifice is a picture, a foreshadow of that perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And again, we are reminded of Noah's heart for God as he is laying down the sacrifice. He's worshiping God. He is thanking God. And he has a heart of gratitude to just say, thank you, creator God, for remembering and keeping your promises. A quick note here um, that I think we can learn a couple lessons here before we move into our first principle. You know, when you have a victory or achievement in your life, or how about every day we just wake up, right? Every day we wake up is every breath that we breathe on this earth, we borrow from our creator God. Um, We live because he lives, because he gives us life. Do we worship God? Do we thank God? See, Noah had just gone through a very difficult period of his life, 150 days on the ark. That had to have been extremely difficult. He didn't know when he was going to get off the ark, yet he steps up, he steps off that ark, he builds an altar, and he worships and thanks God. Do we worship and thank our creator? He is worthy to be praised. He is worthy of our gratitude, even in the darkest of moments. And we remember, and I think it's important to note God's character here, right? God made promises to Noah and his family. He's fulfilling those promises. God remembers Noah. God remembers us. We are encouraged from Hebrews uh, chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Our God never changes. He keeps these promises. He does not waver on them. He remembers them. He remembers his people. He does not forget. So here's the first principle that I want us to learn from our division, and that is that God can be trusted to remember his people. God can be trusted to remember his people. So where in your life do you feel like God has forgotten you? Um, do you feel like your life is in a standstill or do you feel maybe stuck? 
Uh, I've often said that we are undergoing a huge pause in our lives. Uh, and this pandemic, and why I brought up this theme of, of a reset, is it feels like this pandemic in many ways is a reset for, for our culture, for our lives. Um, a lot of things have been put on pause. Um, we're at a standstill. There's no huge concerts that we're attending. There's not mass travel. We are limited on our big gatherings. Um, and yes, social media and pop culture try to clamor for attention in our lives. But really, I'd have to venture to say that a lot of us have more time on our hands <laughs> these days. And in these times of a massive pause, have you stopped to consider how God can use this time for his will to further his will in your life? Um, do you know that even in the midst of these moments, in these dark moments of a pandemic and social unrest and what's happening in our world today, do you know, do you understand that God has not forgotten you and will never forget you? See, God remembers. As he remembered Noah and his family, he remembers us. Psalm after psalm declares that the infinite God knows the minute details of our lives. And our days, our future, were planned by him before the creation of the world. Um, check out Psalm 139 for some encouragement. It's a psalm that I often go to when I feel uh, lonely or maybe forgotten. See, in the, in the present tense... God knows the detail of our lives. He knows our future. He will bring his will into fruition for us. We know that is especially true for us believers, those of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ. We're reminded in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, through the Apostle Paul, that Paul writes, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on, carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We know we are blood-bought by the Savior, we are eternally secure, but even for this life, for our future, the uncertainties, the insecurities, the darkness that we face this side of heaven, God holds us. God holds our lives in his hand. He's engraved us in the palm of his hand. And we know God is going to further his will in our lives. He will preserve us until the end of our lives. So that's the present tense. Excuse me. God holds our lives in his hand. But then there's the future tense, right? If we are in Christ, he won't forget us. He will not. Uh, we are saved now and we are saved forever. We are eternally secure in the Savior. And I love this verse from that song, uh, The Lord is My Salvation from Keith and Christine Getty. There's a wonderful phrase in, uh, towards the end of one of the stanzas. And it says, and when I reach my final day, he will not leave me in the grave, but I will rise. He will call me home. The Lord is my salvation. He will not forget the covenant that he has made to his people through his son, Jesus Christ. Even when we come to the bitter kiss of death, when we come to the end of our lives, God promises to not forget us. He will not leave us in the grave. We will be with our Lord in glory as we pass from this life to the next. It's an incredible promise. We see God fulfilled his promises through Genesis chapter 8. We can know that God will keep his promises in our lives, and towards the end of our life, no matter what's happening in the world around us. So be, we can be encouraged by this. And we're going to dive into some covenants here, a covenant that God makes with his people, and we're going to be reminded of the new covenant that God has made through his son, Jesus Christ. So let's dive into division two, and this is God reminds, and this is Genesis chapter eight, verses 21 through chapter nine, verse 17. So I have to read verses 21 through 22 aloud because I think they are fascinating. So here, chapter eight, verse 21, 
the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma. So this is some context here. Let me read chapter, uh, verse 20 as well. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. Uh, so again, this is the altar that Noah built out of gratitude. It's an act of worship to God. Verse 21 reads, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of man, even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. What an incredible promise. Does this humble your thinking? Does this humble um, your perspective on life? Do you realize that every breath we take on this planet is by God's grace and mercy? God uh, did not need to further human civilization. He could have ended everything right here and there. But God knows, God knows that mankind is going to rebel against him again. We know throughout human history that we do not get better. Some may argue that we get worse. I mean, we look at the 20th century alone, our present day world, we do not get better. But God still desires to be with his people. God still desires for man to know him. And then we read in verse 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, will never cease. It's an awesome verse. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful reminder, right? That whatever calamities take place on this planet in our lives, it is our faithful God that sustains the universe. The existence of this world and the universe are dependent on his timing, on his, uh, and on his words alone. Be encouraged. Uh, I don't know about you, but it, sometimes this present day feels a little apocalyptic to me. It feels a little scary, um, but God says, look, I will not destroy this world again with a flood and the world and the universe answer to me. They answer to my word, my words. I hold this universe together. We hear that promise in verses 21 through 22. And we know from reading the book of revelation that God, not only wipes, he, he fulfills that promise. He does not wipe human history off the face of the planet with a, with a global flood again, but we also know that God comes to renew the earth in Christ's second coming in the book of Revelation. So we know God keeps this promise. Let's move uh, forward here in chapter 9. The opening verses of chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, we see that the relationship um, between humans and, and animals has changed a little bit. We see that animals um, are afraid of humans and that God, though, has also given animals for us to eat now. But as we read in verses four through six, um, we are reminded of the preciousness of life, the preciousness of, of lifeblood. Uh, we read in verse four, but you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. Um, this could be just a highlight of the preciousness of blood in general. Um, we know that life is precious to God, uh, whether it is an animal or a human being. Um, and um, we just see that in verse four, that um, you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood in it. Essentially, uh, blood is is highlighted here as as being precious, um, as as having some sacred value to it. But we see uh, in verse verses five through six, and for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal, and from each man too. I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. How about verse six? Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. 
What a powerful verse to highlight and signify the value that God puts on human beings. We are made, remember, hearkening back to Genesis chapter 1, we are made in God's image and likeness. We are made to reflect his glory. We are given so much worth and dignity as human beings. And God once again highlights this, that whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. Uh, How does this verse transform the way you see others around you? Uh, How does this transform the way you see your families, your friends, uh, your family, your friends, maybe people who are opposed to you or people that irritate you? Um, I have to say that reading verse six, it's, it's amazing to see how life is often taken for granted in this day and age and in our culture. We do not respect life. We do not recognize that fellow human beings are made in the image of God. Uh, human life is dispensable, um, from, um, to the life of the unborn, to, um, oppression and persecution throughout this world. Our culture is a culture of death. We view life as expendable, as something to waste. God's word stands in strike contrast to that. And God says, humanity is precious. Human beings are precious because they are made in my image and likeness. When we truly believe that, when we take that to heart, it changes the way we view the people around us. Even our enemies, it changes the way we view anyone. It changes the way we view ourselves. Let's move forward, though, um, as we continue to unpack this promise that God has made. So in verses uh, 8 through 11 of chapter 9, we continue to see a covenant um, that is established uh, between God and mankind. Uh, This covenant is what we call the Noahic covenant. And what does this covenant, what does God promise uh, to this covenant? And just as as a heads up, this covenant is actually established with all of humanity, with all living creatures, right? God promises, never again will all of life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Uh, in a commentary that I was reading to prepare for this lecture, it, it also um, that commentary said that Noah's sacrifice ratifies this covenant, right? Each sacrifice ratified uh, a covenant. Um, we'll see again, God, uh, the perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ, ratified the new covenant that God makes with mankind through uh, Christ's death and resurrection. Um, and as we're reading that, we are just reminded um, that this covenant, that God keeps his covenant, because we see throughout human history that never again will the earth be destroyed through a flood. And as I mentioned earlier, we know the promise that God is going to come And renew the earth. So God, through this Noahic covenant with humanity and all of creation, he makes this covenant. He keeps the promises that he makes. And as we conclude here in chapter 9, verses 12 through 17, God uses the rainbow as a sign of this covenant between God and humanity. So quick summary, right? Um, God, uh, we are reminded in this covenant from verses 21 through 22, God is going to sustain the earth for humanity from the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun. We know that each day is a reminder that God is holding our universe together. Never again will he destroy this world um, uh, with a global flood. And we also know that through the new covenant, through Jesus Christ, um, there is a future renewal of the world as promised by Christ's second coming. So we know throughout human history, God has kept his promise in the new covenant. And that leads us to the last principle that God can be trusted to keep his promises. 
God can be trusted to keep his promises. So let's conclude here um, as we conclude on these passages of Scripture. So again, I mentioned we have seen throughout human history that God has not taken has not broken the promises that He makes in the Noahic covenant. Uh, our earth was never again destroyed by a flood, nor will it be. Um, I love this verse from Isaiah chapter fifty four, verses nine through ten. Um, and it's it's this is again God speaking to the people of Israel through the prophet Isaiah. So this is the very words of God, and He says in Isaiah fifty four, "To me, this is like the days of Noah when I swore to the water that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant." of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. It's a beautiful piece of scripture, but continue to read, right? I love what Isaiah 54 says, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed. Doesn't it feel like our mount, the mountains of our world are being shaken? It feels as if our, the very foundations of society have been trembling the last seven months. God reminds us through the Noahic covenant, through this passage of scripture, throughout all the Bible, that even when the foundations of the world seem to tremble, remember Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and day, day and night will never cease. God is saying, I'm the one that preserves this world. I'm the one that holds this universe together. It answers to me. The world answers to me, even in the midst of a global pandemic. Be encouraged by that. It feels as if the world around us is shaking, but God holds it. He makes this very promise in the Noahic covenant. I'm holding this world together. This world answers to me. See, that's on the grand scale of things. God is holding this universe together. But a simple question we can ask ourselves is, who holds our lives together? Who holds our lives together? It's the same one that holds the universe together. See, where in your life do you need to be reminded of that truth? Where in your life do you be, need to be reminded that God's faithfulness is just, God's word is just as true. It is just as good in these passages of, of scripture as it is for us here in 2020. Perhaps all of us are being shaken in fear by this pandemic that continues to rage on, or maybe it's personal issues that are going on, going on in your life. Your singleness, your dating life, your relationships, your lack of work, your career, perhaps feeling like uh, this period of life that we're in will never end. These seven months won't ever end. Will you remind yourself, though, that regardless of what we're feeling, regardless of what's going on in the world around us, God remembers, God knows, and he does not forget, and he does not change. We also see, and we're reminded, um, and this is, I think, a, a helpful reminder to um, look back on the new covenant. So God makes the new covenant with his people we know in the New Testament through Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice. Jesus comes as a redeemer, and it was actually foreshadowed in Genesis 3, where God promises, God foreshadows that a redeemer will crush the head of the servant. We know that to be our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, through his death and resurrection, through his perfect sacrifice, our eternity was secured, our past, present, and future sins forgiven. Uh, we've been given a new life, 
of freedom to live for Jesus and to share that redemption with the world. I mentioned earlier in our first division that our lives are secure. Remember Philippians 1, 6, our lives are held through Christ and he will bring about his will for us in our lives. But he's also going to take us to glory that even towards the end of our life, God promises that when we pass from this life to the next, he will not leave us in the grave, but he will take us to be with him for all of eternity. Our life is spoken for on this planet. Our eternity is spoken for. That's an incredible promise. That is what is promised to us in this new covenant. And the symbol of this new covenant uh, is not a rainbow. So the rainbow is a symbol of the Noahic covenant, but the symbol of the new covenant is the cross. And this cross is the forever reminder that God has not forgotten mankind, but rather that through his son, he desires to seek and save those who are lost. It's a beautiful truth. And so as I conclude, a simple question that I have for all of us here, do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you repented and trusted in him by faith? If not, what in the world are you waiting for? Today is the day of salvation. Um, God will not turn those away who come to him in repentance and faith in his son. We have been reminded in 2020 that nothing in this life is certain. Nothing in our world is certain. Our, the, we are not promised tomorrow. We are not even promised the next hour. So if you do not know, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you do not know that you have been saved by his death and resurrection, would you maybe ask a group leader? You can ask any of our class staff. You can maybe even ask the person who invited you to come to class um, to join us here in this study of Genesis at BSF. Simply ask them, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And we'd love to share that amazing news with you. See, this good news um, will save, it saves our soul. The good news of Jesus Christ saves our souls. It calms our anxious hearts and it assures us of God's faithfulness and the reality that he never breaks his promises. He does just what he says. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is just as good and true as it was in Genesis chapters eight and nine. So with those beautiful truths, uh, let's conclude with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you continually remind us that you are faithful. You never change. Um, You are with us. You have not forgotten us. Lord, I pray that... um, For all of us, Lord, we are dealing with a certain amount of brokenness in our personal lives, but also in the fear that we experience in the world around us. Lord, the foundations of our society, the foundations of our world have been shaken. God, will you remind us as you reminded Noah and his family in Genesis chapter 22, that you are the one that holds this world and this universe together, that each new day we can be reminded of of the promises that you make in the Noahic covenant. But ultimately, Lord, we can be comforted in the promise you have made through the new covenant, through Jesus Christ, the perfect sacrifice. We have been saved, Lord. We are, our life on this earth is secure and our life in the world to come is secure. We are eternally secure through Jesus Christ. Would you remind us of that? And for those who maybe do not know if they are saved, if they know that, if they've come to faith in your son, Lord, I pray that you would spur them on to reach out to a group member or to a fellow class member, um, that they would be, that they would seek out what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ and Lord. And as we share those good news with them, um, that they would come to faith in your son. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us. We thank you, Lord, that you keep your promises, that you are faithful, that you are merciful to your people and that you are always with us. 
It is in your son's great name that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the St. Louis Young Adults BSF podcast. Join us on Zoom next Monday at 7 p.m. Central Time as we discuss Genesis chapters 9, 10, and 11. To connect with our class, like us on Facebook at STLYABSF or visit bsfinternational.org slash class slash 793. Bible Study Fellowship is an international, interdenominational, nonprofit organization that is dedicated to studying God's Word one verse at a time and strengthening the local church. For more information, visit bsfinternational.org. That's bsfinternational.org.